It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Hey there, welcome to The Undercurrent. I'm Tara Sloan. Well, to say Mary Kay Messier is from a hockey family is an understatement. Her last name is familiar, of course. Mary Kay is the younger sister of Hockey Hall of Famer and six-time Stanley Cup champion Mark Messier. She's the daughter of Doug Messier, a former pro hockey player and a coaching legend in Western Canada. Her son Luke is an Edmonton Oilers prospect playing for the Bakersfield Condors, and it goes on and on and on. But the niche Mary Kay has carved out for herself in the hockey world is one that's all her own. She is a champion of inclusion, accessibility, and a fierce advocate for growing the women's game. Among other things, Mary Kay is an advisor for the group Play Like a Girl and for the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. And as the vice president of global marketing at Bauer Hockey, she is using the power of the Bauer brand to get eyeballs and money on women's hockey. Here's my conversation with Mary Kay Messier. Mary Kay, it's nice to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome to be with you. So I've caught you in the middle of the Women's World Championships, quite a whirlwind for a lot of different reasons, which we'll get to. But um, let's just start with the hockey and the vibe in Brampton, Ontario. What's it been like? Yeah, the first game I got to was a doozy. It was uh, Canada versus the U.S. on Monday. Um, and it was just incredible. The energy, it started at the red carpet. Uh, we hosted a red carpet for the athletes, which I think they really appreciated, mm -hmm. elevated the experience for them entering the rink. Uh, got to check out all the outfits and the attitudes. And it was really amazing to see Team Canada and just the difference between the two and their approach before the game. Um, and, and I think the venue is amazing in in some ways, I'm sure we could have more fans, so we could say that. But at the same time, it is so loud and the energy is so high. It must have been really incredible to be on the ice for that game. So pretty much had chills uh, throughout the game. And then what an amazing finish. You know, the U.S. ties it up, goes into overtime. Uh, Hillary uh, scores an incredible goal for the U.S. Then the first uh, penalty shot. And then it's back and forth and back and forth. But Canada won. It was just an incredible game for the fans. I'm Amazing. so envious of everybody who gets to be there, but I've been following with rapt attention. Also, so weird for me to, you know, be in the U.S. where I'm because I'm so used to, you know, giving the updates on Team Canada. But it's U.S. first here. But either way, um, what an incredible I mean, matchup that was nine round shootout. Uh, I, go back to the red carpet piece of that. And, you know, because so much of what you do with Bauer, it's not just the big things. It's kind of the little things, right? It's making these players um, not just feel like professionals because we're not pretending here, but mm -hmm. treating them like professionals. 
Yeah, that was really our goal around Women's Worlds. It's really to celebrate the best players in the world, to elevate their experience, and then to also elevate the experience of the fans. So in addition to, you know, a national broadcast by in Canada and the U.S., a lot of content. We have an entire content team on the ground sharing stories, um, sharing different types of content all around the event. And then for the athletes, uh, we put a red carpet, a little bit like going to the Oscars, but why not? Uh, just just celebrating the athletes. And we bring in community groups every night so they can line the stanchions and, and see the athletes come in, really just pay tribute to them. And I've received so many texts from so many of the athletes saying, gosh, we just really appreciate this. Um, just that you really care about our experience and attention to detail, as you said. And then for the fans, we have an activation on the concourse. Um, we have a big dream wall. It just says, share your dreams. And we have cutouts of the athletes. And it's amazing from, you know, it's not just girls, little girls and girls of all ages, um, but all people writing their dreams uh, of what they would like to see, the vision of the future for hockey for girls and women. So it's uh, it's pretty emotional and it's just a great experience. So we're thrilled to be there and to support the athletes and to elevate not only their experience, but the exposure as it should be. Why is this so important to Bauer and you? Well, I think it really starts with that we believe in the power of hockey to impact lives, teach mm -hmm. life lessons, build lifelong friendships, uh, develop character, all of these things, right? And if you believe in that, why not have those opportunities for girls? Why not make the sport more equitable, increase the access, and ensure that they have experiences that are consistent with the boys? So I think, um, you know, my view on that is one and the same with Bauer. And we're driving hard uh, through a lot of different ways to drive equity in the sport, whether it's through partnering with people that are really doing the hard work, like Renee Hess of Black Girl Hockey Club, Amy Walsh, Future of Hockey Lab, and elevating the game and talking to other brands, which we were thrilled to host a panel at the Hockey Hall of Fame the other day. It's amazing panelist, uh, Tahika Singh, uh, as a moderator, to really have those deep conversations, no candy coating the conversation. These are the challenges. This is the work that needs to be done, and it's painstaking, and it really requires changes in process, systems, and policy. Mm -hmm. uh, so we, we were thrilled to host that event and make it a special announcement there as well. Okay, so I was going to get to that. So Accentuate? Uh, it's called Accelerate. 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 I'm not looking at my notes, clearly. Accelerate. Okay, so tell me about Accelerate. Yeah, well, just as we talk about that work that needs to be done, it's critical to driving sustainable equity in hockey. We also need these quick wins. Like We need to find mm -hmm. a way to look at immediate needs and solve for them. And I think that helps us build the momentum and keep it moving in the right direction. So uh, we had this idea to one request I get often from the athletes is they need help with their summer camps and clinics. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, well, why wouldn't we do that? These are not only some of the best players in the world, but they're the best ambassadors and they sh surely have the best ideas on how to create exceptional experiences for girls. So I made three calls 
to three friends, uh, one at Canadian Tire, one at Harvey's and one at FanDuel and said, hey, look, we don't have the program totally fleshed out, but this is what we want to do because we want to combine it in an event that talks about the deep rooted challenges that need to be addressed. And at the same time say, we can have a bias to action. We can bring about change more quickly. And that's why we named it Accelerate. All three jumped on board immediately, said we're in. Uh, so we announced the pilot. It's a program and the athletes, Brian Jenner, uh, Renata Fast, both Olympic uh, gold medalists and world champions. Um, and then in addition to that, Alana Ma is the team captain for the women's para uh, program in Canada. And then we also signed uh, Sophie Jacques, who plays for Ohio State University. And she's only the second defenseman ever to win the Patty Kazmaier Award right behind the iconic Angela Ruggiero. So really exciting news. Um, and it just it makes me feel really hopeful to see that there are so many more across all different sectors coming together to really elevate and make girls and women in hockey a priority. I want to go back to, I guess, last year um, when the House of Cards started to crumble with Hockey Canada um, and it came out that they were using funds uh, internally um, to make payments regarding sexual assault allegations and, and on and on and on from there. I won't go on, but what started to happen was that sponsors started to uh, revoke their funding, or at least for the men's game. Um, did you, I mean, first of all, Bauer, you were very outspoken about it. You were one of them. Maybe I'll just start by asking why was it important to, to not just, um, you know, withhold the funding, but also talk about it? Well, I think initially we had been working behind the scenes to try to bring things to a resolution uh, Hockey Canada is, is a critical platform for more than a half a million people uh, to play the game. And while there's programs that are small and really making an impact, people who are community leaders, there's no possible way in any kind of relative time frame that these programs could grow quickly enough to serve all the families in Canada. So we know that we need to get Hockey Canada on track. And we've been trying to have those conversations I think at the turning point, it was clear it wasn't going to happen. And the leadership at the time had become a distraction. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as all the emphasis was there, it was not on starting to think about solutions and how we can move forward. So I, I think uh, we, in a way, felt that that was the only option at the time. We would have liked to have done it in a different way. Um, but we felt it was necessary to speak up and, and call for a change so that we could start to focus our efforts and start to hopefully bring people together towards solutions. And really, because it's really about keeping kids on the ice um, and, and helping families, you know, get their kids back. So just to be clear, now your sponsorship lies on which side of Hockey Canada? Because you, you never revoked the funding from the women's side. Right. So what we did was we basically pulled out of the world juniors and we pulled out of the men's anything related to the men's. And we diverted those funds to support other programs that often get hit when something like this happens. So women's obviously is a clear choice, but also para 
And then we continued with all grassroots initiatives, anything toward um, introducing new families into the game uh, or anything towards retaining kids in the game. Mm -hmm. So really it was just, and, and look, that's tough because those teams, those boys that played in the world juniors, they didn't have anything to do with it, but these decisions come with difficult consequences and it was something that needed to be done. So all of that leads me to wonder, um, you know, because it felt like at that time, certainly things were stagnating with Hockey Canada. Things did not feel right. The the culture um, was tarnished. What is the role then of sponsors in moving things forward? Because that's where it seems to lie. And if sponsors are on board, then one must assume that also they're obviously you're doing the right thing to do the right thing, but there has to be some financial sense, which I truly believe there is. Mm-hmm. Um, so how come <laughs> these greater, you know, these organizations aren't kind of growing the game in the same way at the same pace? It's it's complicated and it's not always the answers aren't always right in front of you. But I would say there's a lot of progress being made. I mean, the announcement by Canadian Tire to have equal funding for women's sports as men, um, I think it was by 2026. I'm not not positive Mm -hmm. on the date. There are some massive announcements being made. And I think we see brands coming together. You know, Megan Chaika of Stathletes and FanDuel was on the panel And she talked about all the statistics we see, all the data, the record-breaking audiences, the viewership that's climbing. And basically that takes us out of the the heart for why we do what we do and into the business case. And it was just so compelling to hear her talk to some of the top corporations in Mm. Canada about why supporting girls and women in hockey makes sense. From a brand perspective, we know it's what consumers want. Consumers want to align with brands that have shared values and really have a purpose. So it's not just girls and women that want this anymore. It's people all over the world. They, you know, This is something that's in front of us as a society. People want to see girls and women getting more opportunity and the situation being more equitable, whether it's across sport, business, whatever. So we ha- have the all of these points coming together in a beautiful kind of crash, if you want to call it to say, like, this is the key inflection point. We need to take all that energy, all the energy of the people around the world, of the brands, of everything that's happening and make make it happen now. This is mm-hmm. our time. I guess I just look at, you know, I mean, I won't speak to Hockey Canada because they're in, in flux and I don't know what's going to happen. And I have to hope that things will be moving in the right direction when it comes to equity. But, you know, you look at what's happening with Soccer Canada, you look what's happened in the U.S. with U.S. soccer. Um, So you have to, I I guess for me, I just like, I can't wrap my mind around why the business minds in sport get it, yet these governing bodies don't yet. Well, hopefully they're starting to. But I agree. At times it can feel every day that I see progress, I see something. um, It's mind boggling to me. Like it Mm -hmm. just makes zero sense. Uh, But that's the role we need to play. We need to keep asking the questions. We need to keep challenging 
And I do think that some of the change you're talking about is what I started with. Like, this is really hard change. It's, you know, Renee Hess of Black Girl Hockey Club talked about, about it. It's, it's about deep systems change right. and policy changes. And, you know, that takes time. And thank goodness we have these incredible women leading the charge and others that are doing that work every day. It's so painstaking. It's arduous. And yet it's critical. Um, well, at the same time, a lot of us in other fields can get involved and start to bring about change now. When I think about Hockey Canada, I see some signs of progress. Um, I think the new board, I think, you know, Hugh Frazier, I think these people are making a difference. And I just want to say that because we've been involved with Hockey Canada for many, many years. And with everything that happened we need to still realize that there are a lot of good people doing really good work and they kind of got all mm -hmm. cast into the same, into the same face. And so mm -hmm. I think that's important to recognize there's so many good people working. Is there a long way to go? Yes. Should any of you be patting each other on the back yet? No, but I, I took an active role. I'm sitting on the hockey Canada CEO search committee because I do believe, as I said, that, Hockey Canada needs to be a part of the solution. They need to be a part of determining the vision of hockey in Canada. Mm. And I think that means listening to people and bringing new voices in. We need more diversity. We need those diverse perspectives that represent our communities. And if we can do some of those things with bringing in a new CEO that will help create a team that fosters that type of diversity and equity, I think we'll be in a good place. So I want to go back to the very beginning because um, you stand for so much that is, I think, positive and forward thinking, and it didn't come from nowhere. Um, yeah. As I said in, in the in the introduction, to say that you grew up uh, in a hockey family is kind of an understatement because it's just it's more like just embedded um, in in the world in which you you yeah. grew up and and have lived. Um, First of all, what what was it like growing up Messier? I have to actually, I have to tell you a funny story. Ron McLean and I were doing this funny preseason game for social media, and they gave us little slips of paper with questions on them. And we read it. We it was like, who's this? You know, who's who listens to music louder? Who blah blah? And we wrote, uh, we read, wh which one of you is Messier? And we spent like five minutes going like, I don't know, like who's who's Gretzky, who's Messier in this equation. <laughs> and then the person, the producer goes, no, the question is, which one of you is messier? And like, we're so, <laughs> we're so trained so in good. our hockey brains that we're like, which one of you is Messier? Which one, is, which is the leader? Um, what was funny. it like? What was it like growing up Messier? I was amazing. It was, you know, we were four kids in five years. My parents were very, very young. Uh, my dad played professional hockey. Uh, my brothers were into it at a young age. Um, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for girls when I was growing up. But it didn't mean that hockey wasn't a real part of our life. It was really ingrained in our family. We spent countless hours around the island. It was like the hockey boardroom table dissecting games, you know, all the way up. Uh, we used to watch Hockey Night in Canada together on the couch on Saturday night. 
um, it just was a, a big part of, of who we were as a family. Uh, both my brothers played. And then you know, I had four kids, uh, three boys and a daughter. All three of my boys played. And my dad coached all of them. My brother, Mark, and my dad volunteered for many, many years. Um, and, you know, just seeing all of that, all my boys went to college. One still plays pro. But I think hockey brings families together. It not only has a, an incredible impact on the kids, but it really is, is something that is fundamental to how families see themselves. It's, mm. it's, it's more than just a game. It's more than just a sport, right? It's kind of part of who we are. And it becomes part of the kid's identity too. And that was certainly the case. And then when my brother, both my brothers played pro, but obviously Mark, um, you know, enjoyed a pretty strong career. And he always included family in everything. I mean, he always said that that was why it was all worthwhile. Like mm -hmm. if, if not for all the people you met along the way, he was very, just had this incredible grounded sense of gratitude of all the people that helped him get where he was and how they contributed along his journey. And he just was really core to that and included us in everything. And we had a blast. <laughs> I mean, the core values, though, I mean, I, you know, granted, I haven't met your entire family, but I've certainly spent enough time with Mark and with you. Um, your dad is a legend, especially in <laughs> Western Canada, where I spent a lot of time. Um, but, you know, the the name that is or the word that's synonymous with the messy name is leadership. And that comes from core values. I mean, is that something that was instilled on you just naturally and early on? I think my dad was a leader. My mom was a leader. They both played a real part in that development, I think. And really through living their life as an example mm. of how they treated others, of how they stood up for what they really believed in. Uh, family was just everything. But if you weren't family and you needed a place to go, our door was always open. My mom always had all the boys that were young and couldn't get home when Mark played for the Oilers. We had a lot of players for Christmas um, and Thanksgiving. And then later, as as our friends were around and kids were in college or whatever, we just always had a place for people to, to be. So I think, you know, that was fundamental to how we were raised, hmm. is how, how can you help others? and um, And also to just be confident and speak up when you know it needs to be said, even if others don't want to hear it. Mm. So your professional trajectory, I know you worked, you know, with Mark for a long time. Um, yeah. And then when did you decide to, to go off on, on a different path? That's kind of a funny story. And I will say that Mark uh, was so core to how I developed as a professional, but also a person just mm -hmm. uh, to have the honor really and privilege to work alongside what I think is, you know, who is the greatest leader in all sports. And he was very principled and there was no gray areas. It was always black and white. Uh, he always did the right thing. It didn't matter how difficult the situation. And I always thought about it. It wasn't that I was most impressed with Mark how he acted when they were winning. It was, I was always most impressed with how he acted when things were really tough. Mm. 
And so that made a huge impact on me. And we worked together for over 20 years. And then a company came to us that um, they were trying to introduce a new technology into helmets, Cascade, they're a big uh, lacrosse company. And we heard the story and at the time concussion was really front and center and we deliberated over it for a long time. And then one day Mark said, um, this really needs to be done. Somebody mm -hmm. really needs to raise awareness. And I think, uh, I think I should really do this. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And he said, yeah, but if I'm going to do it, you need to work there and make sure it all gets done. <laughs> so, uh, I took a job with Cascade Sports. I worked there for three years and Bauer acquired the company. Ah. And that's that's how I ended up at Bauer. And the rest is history. Yeah. What, how was First Shift born? When, when did that happen? So uh, when Bauer acquired the company, the CEO at the time said, what I really want you to do is create a global strategy to grow the game. So I thought about that too. And thinking, I mean, that's really what we want to do. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and my brother and I talked about it too, and, and he was very supportive as well. So I said, okay, I'm going to come on board. And <clears throat> I remember like maybe the first day going into the office to find out about what I had for a budget and a team. And he looked at me and he said, well, you don't, but you have a ton of freedom. You can do, you can set this up however you want. Uh, and so that's what I did. I basically started to try to build a program alongside Bauer, which offered a lot of flexibility um, to be able to make decisions quickly and also to have the freedom to think differently about how you pull something together out, outside an organization. Mm. So we did a lot of research to, to uncover the barriers. And um, then we ran a pilot and we worked together with Hockey Canada to take it back to the annual general meetings to talk to all the branches, to talk to the associations about why it was so important to grow the game in a different way, to create a different invitation into the game. And it was tough in the early going. It was really tough. It's like, well, we have this program. It works. And the answer is yes, you do. And it does for 10% of the population. Right. But for the other 90, it doesn't. And we went forward with that. A couple of the associations came on board and it started to grow and it just continued to grow. Um, and we were lucky enough to sign on Canadian Tire as a partner in the early going. Um, and then later, now, still to this day, we have the NHL and the NHLPA on as partners. And the program has continued to grow and put through tens of thousands of kids into the game. Uh, so for me, it's probably one of my most rewarding experiences mm -hmm. in my professional career because if you go to these welcome events they really started as a way to distribute hockey equipment but we also talk to the parents and we show them everything and we fit the kids head to toe with gear and we always plan for like one parent and one child but what happened was siblings came and grandparents came and people felt very emotional about getting this opportunity. A lot of times it was new Canadians mm -hmm. or it was hockey had skipped a generation. So the grandparents would be there and there were a lot of tears, um, you know, tears of joy. And I just remember fe feeling very sentimental. And I think you with Ron McLean were out doing hometown hockey in St. Albert. Mm 
mm-hmm. when when we did the first shift in St. Albert, and that association was the first uh, association to really take the cue and break the initiation program up into two seasons. So parents would have a choice. Right. So, uh, yeah, to this day, uh, and we continue to expand it this year, we focused, um, last few years on girls and we have over 40% girls participation, which is much higher than, than the registration. Um, so that's exciting. We do para programs, um, we have all kinds of different programs to reach out to underrepresented communities. And the response has just been outstanding. So it's, and kids love the game if you offer it in the right way. Absolutely. There's nothing more beautiful to me. I've been to some, there's a really great program here called One Step Sharks, which is for adults and kids with intellectual disabilities and basically just gives them access in whatever way they need yeah. it. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, just the, the pure joy and freedom and it's just, it's such a wonderful thing to behold. So, I mean, you've got so much going on in your life. You're, as you say, you know, you're, you're working on the new CEO for hockey Canada. You're involved in the PWHPA, the professional women's hockey players association. Um, I don't know how you do everything. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it is it easier because you love it and feel so passionate about it? It is. I mean, I think passion, we say if you work with purpose and passion, you never work a day in your life. Um, but I have an amazing team. Mm-hmm. Really talented, super passionate. Um and and I think the same for them. I think they could say we have all these things to do to bring bring our products to life, everything that we do, the engine of marketing that we are. And then this work is just as critical. And maybe some might say, if not more, for for brands to really demonstrate what they stand for, who they are, and as importantly, what they don't. Mm. And that's that that's been, I think, our focus for at least the last two years. There's always been parts of it. We have been involved in many of these programs over many, many years. Started back in 2017 when I, you know, recruited a lot of women for our elite athlete roster and made them part of the global campaigns alongside their NHL peers. Our all-female campaigns to, you know, challenge stereotypes and also raise awareness to inequities in the sport. So we've been at it for a long time, but I would say in the last two years, we're we're really finely focused on the things that we can do to make a difference in the game, to grow the game, because we have an obligation as a leader in the sport to do that. The good news is there are a lot of others that are getting on board and people like you that are such important voices uh, in, in all of this that, that continue to say it over and over and over again. And people are starting to listen. Uh, So we're making progress. Well, and I'm so grateful, you know, I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my hockey career, you know, I've learned about people. I've learned about players um, through your initiatives. You know, I'm pretty sure Dayton O'Donohue was somebody that we learned about through, through Bauer. So, you know, there's a great reciprocity that, that can happen when somebody decides to elevate you know, a voice. And then all of a sudden, oh, wow. Okay. Let's tell more stories about this person. Um, 
So, you know, you're in Brampton, Ontario, you are watching best on best when it comes to women's hockey. We don't get to see that all the time the way that we should. I it's the dream gap tour for the PWHPA has been has grown. Clearly, there's mm-hmm. been a lot more opportunities and a lot more games. But I mean, I think we're all just just jittery waiting for this viable league where the women's elite players can play. What what do you think the timeline looks like? As you said, we're waiting, yes, on bated breath, as <laughs> as are the athletes. Yeah, and of I mean, course. I think these women have sacrificed so much to for the greater good of, of the next generation to hold out for a league that really is sustainable, that provides elevated marketing, the exposure, and all the support that they need. I think we're close. I, I really do think we're close. And I'm hopeful that we can start thinking of a unified solution Mm -hmm. that features the best players in the world. I think there's a little bit of confusion out there and we just need, we need people to understand what it is and and they're seeing it. So at women's worlds, they're seeing it. They're seeing the very best talent in the world. And there's no question that it's marketable. There is no question that there is an audience for this and a viewership for it. And we're seeing these statistics, like we said, going back to that, over and over again. So we need it. It's time. And I really, truly believe, hope that it's coming after, right after this tournament. I think there was a real desire to allow this to play out, Mm -hmm. to celebrate this tournament and to celebrate the athletes. Uh, But if it doesn't come out shortly after that, I think there'll be something lost. We, we going back to momentum. Right. Now is the time. We got to make it happen. It's time to celebrate, but it's also time to take action. Well, you know, I'll be waving that flag uh, for, <laughs> forever and ever. Uh, Mary Kay, is there anything else you wanted to, to add? Any other work you're doing that you wanted to highlight or anything you just want listeners to know about? I, I think, you know, lifting the voices again that you do so well of other people that are doing great work, leaders across the sport. That was the whole goal of the panel yesterday. Uh, Tara Chisholm joined us, mm-hmm. who's, who's you know, the coach of the Women's Para Team of Canada. Her voice was so strong and powerful, but emotional. And I, people heard her. And, you know, afterwards we all came together and nobody was in a rush to leave. And I saw a lot of people making connections. It was that whole idea that if we come together, the collective, we can do more together versus all to or amplify the work of people that are doing what needs to be done. They know what needs to be done because they are part of these communities. They have that lived experience. So I think, wow, just... For me, you are doing so much work and it's such important work because we need the awareness for these voices and we need to highlight the work that they're doing to continue to drive change. So Mm -hmm. thank you very much for what you do. Gosh, well, thank you. Um, I truly, you know, I I consider you somebody really to, to look up to and to, to aspire to. And I'm really, I'm really looking forward to, you know, helping shift things and grow things in the Bay area, which is a really a new place for me, you know, and And with a lot of opportunity. Right. Exactly. In some ways, you know, 
there's more opportunities in those markets because not everyone thinks they should know what it's supposed to be like. Mm. And you can kind of have the freedom to invent a new experience. And I think a lot of the teams um, on the West Coast have done an amazing job growing the grassroots and understanding the communities that they're talking to, not trying to deliver up hockey the way it's always been delivered. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's amazing. And I just want to share with you, too, I just thought of a couple of things. We did launch a, a Girls Hockey Bill of Rights. Ah, it really yes. does. It really does talk to the inequities in the sport, really talks about not only access, but, you know, this experience that can be inconsistent and the need to change that. And we're working to drive policy change, um, working on these these initiatives that can really make a change for girls, um, working with community leaders. So there's a lot more to find out about those types of initiatives and get behind for people. I think that's important. I will make sure I post that in the show notes, actually, so people can can take a read through that. Awesome. Mary Kate, thank you for taking the time in the middle of this incredible tournament. And uh, I really look forward to to seeing you in person sometime soon. Yeah, that would be great. I really look forward to it. Thank you for having me on. Really appreciate it. Anytime. I can't tell you how much I loved that conversation. Um, I admire Mary Kay so much, and she is a role model and a mentor, and her core values are just so solid. I want to let you know that I did put a link to the Girls' Bill of Rights, uh, the Hockey Girls' Bill of Rights, in the show notes. So thank you to Mary Kay for joining me today. And uh, it really will be under her watch that the women's game grows. And thank you to you for listening. I will be back next week with more on the undercurrent. In the meantime, keep your fins above water.